Welcome to the LibriVox Community Podcast number 135. Before you press record, tips and tricks, part 2. This is your host, Piotrek81 speaking. Today we'll hear several of our volunteers speaking about how they approach their texts, how they make them more readable, and how they try to minimize the number of mistakes. We'll also hear another story about the setup development. First, Let's listen to what Julia Niedermeyer has to say about how she selects a text and prepares it. First of all, I check sections that I have signed up for already, and I look how long each section is, and then I decide whether or not I want to do a short section or a few short sections, or if I actually feel up to doing one of the longer ones, 4,000 or 5,000 words or something. And sometimes I don't feel like doing any of the sections I've signed up for. So I go to the Reader's Wanted and look if there is something there that I would like to do. Maybe a new weekly poem or something. And then I go and prepare the text. I tend to copy and paste the text um, from Gutenberg or the Google Docs that are provided sometimes into a word file so I can adjust the font size and put the text on the screen wherever I need it. My setup is a bit weird so it's easier for me if the text is on the left side of my uh, screen so I can sit close to the microphone and still read the text without having to move my head too much. I pre-read all the dramatic recordings just so I know the surrounding context and Stuff like, is my character sad? Is my character angry? Are they French? And also, how many lines are there? With fiction and non-fiction texts, I tend to skim the text quickly before signing up, just to see if there are a lot of foreign words in there that I don't know, stuff like that. But I do not pre-read them usually. I have on occasion stopped the recording and started pre-reading the text just because I was stumbling along really badly. I couldn't get one sentence out of my mouth without having some sort of mistake. And that was just crazy and annoying and really not fun at all. So that's when I stop recording and I pre-read the text and then it's easier. And usually I get through the text with very few mistakes, which makes editing a lot more fun and a lot quicker. But especially with fiction text, I think personally it's better not to pre-read it because if the text is surprising to you, you will convey this surprise in your voice in a way. So it will also probably feel more surprising to the listener. But that's just my personal opinion and I don't really have any um, proof to put behind this. The thing about pre-reading, though, is that you can check up on words before you start recording. In most of my recordings at some point, especially the English ones, I have to stop or take a pause and look up a word that I just don't know how to pronounce. Even if I know what it means, I've never come across it pronounced. So it's like, okay, is it this way or that way? And with English, it's really difficult to tell sometimes. So... Pre-reading would eliminate that. And also, if you tend to do character voices, which I'm really terrible at, but if you do, it might be a good idea to check your character out beforehand. Because I've known people who 
um, do like an American accent for someone. And then in the last sentence, they figure out that that character is actually French or something like that. Or do a male voice when the speaker is actually female. So a bit of preparation when you're doing character voices is really a good idea. Apart from that, personally, as I said before, I don't think rereading is, is necessary a lot of the time. Most texts are easy enough to record while reading them for the first time, but that probably really depends on the reader, and it's really a personal decision whether or not to pre-read a text. And that's all for me. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks, Julia. That's a good question, to pre-read or not to pre-read. I usually do, especially with English texts. Otherwise, all those tricky literary words would trip me up. I can only recall one case when I did a voice characterization, and it was quite brief. But yeah, I totally agree that it's probably essential to check what your character is like before you start thinking about their voices. And now Bob Gonzalez, a many-time host of LibriVox Community Podcast, will describe to us his routine. Bob? Hello, Piotrek. Here's a practice, hopefully of interest, that I do before I press record, before I even set up my Samson Go mic, or get my container of juice-flavored water to stay hydrated, or fire up my iMac. I prefer to work from a Microsoft Word document, because it allows me to break up the text. The most daunting vision I have when about to perform a section of prose is the ocean of words going from one side of the page all the way to the other with no end in sight, no oasis of white space. This may be one reason why I enjoy performing poetry or drama over fiction or non-fiction. The fact that there is white space automatically built into those texts. But this procedure basically turns prose into free verse, but perhaps without the benefit of rhyme or structured meter. Since I'm working from the text on my Mac, instead of printing pages, I don't have to worry about how many trees were sacrificed, no matter how much white space I use. So I like to break up those prose paragraphs into thought chunks, about half the length of the line or maybe a little more, so that it rolls out on the page like free verse instead of prose. This also requires that I read through the text, at least silently, in order to determine where the line breaks should be. If I really get inspired or need the extra nonverbal cues, I'll underline, italicize, or embolden certain words and phrases in order to remember or emphasize them. I also like to double-space the text. As I silently read through the text while breaking sentences into lines, I often discover tricky sections that I know I will potentially trip over, so I take the opportunity to rehearse them. Ideally, I will read through and rehearse the entire piece once or twice before recording. A friend of mine who recorded over 60 full-length titles for recorded books told me he read his scripts three times, from beginning to end, aloud, before he showed up in the studio to record. He thought the idea of recording without that much preparation was unthinkable. I admit that I don't rehearse long sections three times in advance of pressing record, but I have realized that I'm either going to put the time in rehearsing or editing, and as editing an unrehearsed piece will mean that I will be listening to my stupid mistakes, 
mispronunciations, stumbles and the like, I do prefer rehearsing as much as possible. I also like enlarging the text to a fairly large size to prevent misreading it. I'm reading this script now at 150%. Reading from a Word document rather than a PDF or an online text also allows me to mark my mistakes when I'm proof-listening later. Unless I'm going to immediately patch each mistake as I encounter it, I'll highlight it and put the timestamp next to it so I can find it easily when I come back to patch it later. This is the best system I have devised for recording that makes performing and later proofing much less of a chore. Thank you. I can relate to some of the things you've said. I read off the screen too, and if I copy the text to the file, I often enlarge it. Also, reading Lovecraft's purple prose would have been much more exhausting if I hadn't broken it into smaller chunks, so I completely understand you here. Our next guest is Nina Brown, who will now tell us something about her text preparation. First of all, I always read from a printout. I print the text into columns, landscape, with more than standard spaces between lines, so the lines are easy to follow. I read the text silently first. This helps me to do last-minute proofreading and also to mark any difficult words. Sometimes I add the phonetics to foreign words. Being consistent with formatting allows me to estimate the length of the recording. For example, three to four pages will make about 20-25 minutes long recording. I record standing. I keep the text on music stand. This is why I print landscape. It fits better on the stand. The microphone, dressed in two heavy socks, sits slightly below my mouth. I worked very carefully the optimal distance to the microphone and to the text. I need reading glasses, so the distance to the text is important. I am very careful not to spoil this arrangement when I vacuum the room. I took the idea of recording standing up from my singing experience. I sing in a choir and body position makes a big difference to breath control. I also find I use body language when I read. I wave my hands, point fingers. It brings fun into the performance. Yes, I recall several people on the forum also mentioned recording in standing position. It's not possible with my setup, though, so I have to sit. I rarely print anything out. Also, as you also mentioned pronunciation, let me tell you, fellow LibriVoxers, about a great website which allows you to hear almost any word in English. It's called How Do You Say Come? That's H-O-W-J-S-A-Y dot com. I'm sure many of you already know it and use it. And now Barbara will tell us about, among other things, the importance of researching your texts. So far, I've only been part of group reads of two famous biographical works from the 18th century. These books teem with characters, events, history geography and quotations in foreign languages and I really enjoy googling all that stuff. I've downloaded the full Gutenberg texts to my Kindle so I read any intervening sections that others have claimed before I prepare my own. I copy my section into a word processor then I mutter my way through the section bolding and underlining the syllables that need stressing and I add pronunciation tips in small font. I read over the obscure passages, of which there are many in these works, until I think I understand what the author intended. 
Then I have a practice run through the whole section, usually 30 to 40 minutes of uninterrupted reading. I can definitely see that works like these which you've mentioned require research and careful preparation. I, too, often check beforehand names coming from other languages, although this can be tricky. I sometimes do a trial run reading the whole section aloud, although this is often a result of me deciding that this recording is not going good, but at least I'll read it aloud to the end to familiarize myself better with the text. Lars Rolander LibriVoxer, with many years of experience, will also share with us his pre-recording routine. When I'm going to record something, it may be a couple of sections in a group project, or a solo project, or whatever. Then, after having downloaded the text, I divide each section or chapters into separate files and save them as such. In that way, I can roughly see how much time a chapter or section will take to record. How? Well, by experience, I can estimate the time, more or less. Then I read the text to myself, first to get familiar with it, and if there are difficult words, which I don't know, not being a natural Englishman or American, I look them up, at least sometimes, by going to Macmillan Dictionary and Thesaurus on the net, which I have found very good. There I can listen to the pronunciation, but of course I do mistakes anyhow now and then. Thank you for useful tips, Lars, including the one about Macmillan Dictionary Online. It's MacmillanDictionary.com for all of you who want to start using it. I'll surely check it in the future. Now I would like us to hear another story of experimenting with setup. Last time Wooly B told us something about what equipment options she has gone through up to present. Now, Pepper's Noodles will share with us what she has learned and what improvements she has made to achieve better results. Hi everybody, so this is Kimberly Krause, known on the forum as Pepper's Noodles 93. I've only been recording for LibriVox since January of this year, and it's been quite a process of learning for me. Through recording books for LibriVox, I've had to try so many ways to improve my recordings. So that is what I wanted to share with you today, my stumblings and my experiments with getting my recordings up to par and nice sounding. My recording methods have changed so much over my course of learning because as I learn more about where your voice goes and sounds that come up in the background and whatnot, my style in my recording has changed so much. As far as when I first started recording, my recordings are a lot better for sure. <laughs> when I first started recording, I was recording on my laptop with a very inexpensive mic. This was making the most terrible noise basically. And then I also didn't realize that like one time I recorded next to a window. It wasn't open, but you could hear the noise from it. And then my cat went and started eating her food at the same time so I could hear crunching noises in the background. <laughs> but this mic, since it was so inexpensive, it actually picked up more noise around me than my voice. Like it, you could hear my voice, but you could hear a lot of the noise. So I had a really techie friend look at my recordings and he turned the speakers up on the noise and it was so loud. I could not believe, and he just kind of looked at it like, what is that noise? 
and at the particular time I think he was hearing possibly a fan or a refrigerator in the background. He suggested that I try out my iPhone 5 microphone. I did this for about 10 or so recordings. This was the start of the journey to how I got my recording system now. What he basically showed me was that there are many noises that come into your recording you don't even realize. So my microphone had been picking up everything around me, but it wasn't actually focusing on my voice. From my phone, it was picking up my voice. We tested a few recordings of the iPhone and found out that it was way better than the cheap microphone I had been using. We had to amplify my voice quite a bit because I do have a soft voice. And that was one thing I learned. Because I had to amplify it so much, I was actually losing quite a bit of the quality. Oh yes, and the other thing was, I started making like tents for myself. <laughs> so I would take between a couple of bookcases and I would pile blankets up and tuck them in between the books and make a tent just to try to get out the noise. So I was hiding in this little tent reading books on my laptop. So I kind of went to the extreme, but it was good for me to start with more of the extreme to find my ultimate way of recording, which is much easier than this. So I'd take them from my cell phone and upload them onto my computer and then edit from there. It made recording a little bit of a hassle to be underneath a tent and to be uploading from my cell phone. So I did lots of recordings like that. It was a learning process of trying and experimenting with different recording methods. And then I decided to try my internal mic from my, my laptop. And I really liked the way it turned out, and that's what I use now. I record in the guest room, usually, in our house, but I've recorded everywhere. I've recorded in hotel rooms. I've recorded in the car while it's turned off. That doesn't work too well. <laughs> Basically, anywhere I could find a quiet spot. We travel a lot, so I just record wherever I am. I stayed at a renovated hospital, and the windows would creak and creak. But I would still record, so I'd have to edit all that out. When people post in the form that you know, their recording situation isn't working and they're going to quit. And I'm like, hey, try something out. If you experiment a little, you can improve your recordings quite a bit. So funny things that have been in my recording. Maybe sometimes I'm recording right before dinner or something. Because I can record almost any time in my house. But my mom will be like, Kim, it's time for dinner. Or sometimes they'll come and knock on my door and ask me a question so I have to stop the recording and or sometimes our dog will start barking and I hear that and the worst one is my cat she's kind of attached to me so she will just scratch at anything to get to me so for example if I'm in the restroom she will sit at the door and wait for me a lot of times she will just call through the door kind of push it open to come in with me that's why I cannot record in my bedroom because we have a window, and so a lot of times she'll be out there. I'm thinking, oh, hey, that's a great time to record because she's outside and not in, and she won't be crunching her food. One time I tried that. She stood at the window and just scratched until I let her in. What she'll do is she'll be on my lap, sleeping away, and then I'll hear a little snore. <laughs> and she will literally snore 
but yeah and then in the guest room i can't actually close the door if i close the door she will scratch until she is let in so what i have to do is leave about a four inch space with a book and holding the door open so she can come in if she would like talk about pleasing your cat right I would definitely suggest keep trying until you find a recording method that works for you. And people around the forum are so nice, you can ask questions. I've asked so many people, including Marianne and Lynn Thompson, for advice on how they record, and that helped me out quite a bit. So that's all from me. Happy recording, everybody. Thanks, Kim. I know what you mean with background noise. My first recordings were made with a Skype headset, so they contain a lot of noise. It was only after I got Mike and experimented a bit with its positioning that I got to the point where there is very little noise and it can be got rid of using audacity. So, yeah, as Kim and others have said, keep experimenting until you find a good solution. That's all for today from me. I hope this two-part series has given you some ideas what you can do to make your setup more efficient and improve the results of your work. I also hope this and the previous podcast will serve as a great help to some of the new volunteers who will learn some interesting tricks and in this way will improve their LibriVox experience, especially during those difficult first weeks. Okay, so this is all from me. Bye for now.